to Idiots Talk History. I'm your host, Matt, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lorna. Hello! A lot of head movement today. You're yeah. like, hello, <laughs> waving your head. Waving my head around. It's because it's new podcast day. The greatest day of the week. Really? Today is new podcast Wednesday, day. Wednesday, to all you listeners. Depends on what day you download and listen, to be honest. Yeah, pretty good day on Wednesday, though. I always look forward to it. It's a hump day. Exactly. Middle You're over, You're over the hump. Of the week. Yeah. You're on to Thursday, cruising into Friday and the weekend. We're actually on a Saturday. We're <laughs> we sound like we're on like, some old radio show. <laughs> Helping you cruise into the weekend with our smooth hits. Smooth hits this smooth week. Smooth topics. Lana's report. <laughs> what I was yeah, saying it was, it's a Saturday. We're all over the show. Um, if you've never listened to the podcast before, one of us does a report on a topic, event, moment, person from history. Try and do something that's not as well known, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. It is tough. As Dan mentioned last week, how we had a special guest, Dan, last week, he was saying, I can't believe you do a new topic every week. And we said, we know, it's tough. It is tough. And also it's tough because usually if things aren't known in history, they're not documented. So we can't find it. It's a flawed concept is what we're saying. It really is, without more time. Yeah. But we've tried our best. Yeah, every week to find you something to put into your ears. I don't think anybody could have tried harder, really. I think they definitely could have. Behave um, <laughs> yourself. We're busy. We're busy people. Yeah, this is like our, it's like my fourth job. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> so, Lorna, you're going to do a report on something. By the way, if you can hear a um, a bit of a sizzle in the background, it's uh, my Pepsi Max can. Don't know if you can hear it. I can, and it's very off-putting. So, just tune it out. Just tune it out, yeah. Um, Lorna, do you want to take it away? <laughs> Lorna. Uh, okay, so today I thought I'd found a good topic. Um, when I went to do more research into it, it turns out it's not that great. Right, so, so you're not selling it to the people no, already? No, no, it's okay. There's a few lists involved. I love a list. I don't think you'll like this one as much. I'm going to love it. But anyway, um, the pod topic is the golden age of alpinism. I don't know what that is. You've never heard of I've it? I've never heard of the golden age of alpinism. You sound like you're being sarcastic. No, I haven't. Alpinism, right, okay. I don't know what it is. Sounds like cereal, doesn't it? It sounds like alpen. alpen. <laughs> I think that's where you're going with that. Um, no. Um, it does sound like alpen. Uh, it sounds like something to do with mountaineering. Oh, great guess. Alpen. Can you have a guess when it is? No. Okay. Um, no. So, I'll just go 20th then. 20th century. Wrong. Oh. The... Golden Age of Alpinism. It's always a risk when I put my guessing title on the line. Yeah, well, this if you listen to proves... recent podcasts, you know that I'm quite the guessing champion. <laughs> this um, just proves the GC you're average of the pod, if you will. But you're just I giving just, yourself that title. I just don't well, like annoying. being put on the spot with stuff like this. You know what I mean? What? But it's all right for me to put you on the spot about how many goals were scored on Boxing Day of 1963. Yeah, it, it, it's I don't know. It's just something else. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Um, so, the golden age of alpinism was a decade of mountaineering. Oh, that sounds this already. I know, it sounds really good, doesn't and it? And it will be good, um, listeners, don't so you know? So, it started with Alfred Will's ascent of Wetterhorn in 1854, and it ended with Edward Wimper's ascent of Matterhorn in 1865. I was going to say, I thought, is it not called something else horn? Have you mispronounced it? But I'm thinking no, Matterhorn. Yeah. Um, so Where the decade was groundbreaking and many major peaks in the Alps had their first ascent. So essentially we're in Europe, the in Alps. Europe. 
it became a bit of a trend, so it became a bit, a bit of in vogue to do mountaineering and exploring, oh, in especially vogue. with British oh, yeah. men. British men. A few British women as well. They but, love it. Um, the Brits. Yeah, so it was a big thing. So the Alps are the highest and most extensive mountain range system that lies in Europe. Uh, it stretches approximately 1,200 kilometres or 750 miles for us Brits. It's quite long. Um, and it's across eight Alpine countries. So Austria, France, Germany, Italy, Liechtenstein, Monaco, Slovenia and Switzerland. Is Mont Blanc in the Alps? Mont Blanc something else. Switzerland. No, I think it is. Yeah. Switzerland, France and some other country. Yeah, but they're, they're essentially like a big bit in the middle, aren't yeah. they? If, so, yeah. Yeah. the Alps are the youngest and most densely populated mountain range in Europe, oh. and they were formed about 65 million years ago. They're the youngest. Yeah, I know, and 65 million years old. I can connect with the Alps, because I'm also the youngest in my family. So we have a bit of... We have a bit of something. Also, I'm wondering why you've chosen this topic. Is it because we accidentally did some mountaineering recently? No, no, I'd already written oh, it. I'd already written it before. Pre-mountaineering. Pre-mountaineering. We'll tell you that story in a bit. Um, so, the records of ascents of various peaks in the Alps date from at least early 14th century. And in the late 18th and 19th centuries, the interest in the activity created a vogue for serious mountaineering. Oh, you're the, you're the I vogue, know. Don't you? And this interest spread throughout the world. Um... Oh, I can't say the name. Horace, is that how you say it? Horace. Not sure. Horace. Horace. Horace Benedict de Saucer was a professor at the University of Geneva and he made a sense of the peaks and encouraged others to do so in the 1780s. Oh, right. So, so he was a bit of an explorer. Going back a little bit. Uh... When he made the earliest scientific observations of the mountains was in the 1780s and then he was like, everyone, get out there. Um, and now... Um, due to an interest in geology, investigation of the Alps has made like great advan- advances in science. That's my bit of background. Bit of background. So we're looking at a period of 10 years from 1854 to 1865. Okay. So, um... That's 11 years really, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's pretty much a decade. So yeah. this is known as the Golden Age. But the Golden Age slightly predated the creation of the Alpine Club, but the two are intermingled. The so Alpine Club? The Alpine Club was founded in London in 1857, and it was the world's first mountaineering club. Which is pretty cool. Um, so it catered for those who climb in the Alps and the greater world of the world's mountain ranges. So it was formed in December 1857 when a group of British mountaineers met at a hotel in London. They were active in the Alps and they wanted to develop Alpine mountaineering and these were key people during the Golden Age. So at this meeting, the Alpine Club was born and this was like kind of, they kind of facilitated the Golden Age so a lot of the people who went on to find the Alps were part of the Alpine Club. Went to find the Alps? Well, not find, but I didn't mean find, I meant ascend. Look, the mountains. I meant ascend. Ascend the mountains. Yeah. Ah. So is it? Can I just ask? In the Alps, is there like a c- certain peaks that people climb to? Oh, you mentioned Matterhorn and yeah. So I've I've got a list of all oh, the ones. That oh, I love a list. Were done. I love a horn. in the Golden Age, but there's, this is what I mean. It's just a list. Like I've got a year, and I've, I can tell you which ones were climbed in that year. But it's not a very interesting list, really. Um, Look forward to that. Yeah, I know. Get excited. So 
The Alpine Club was formed and they agreed that for climbing, a rope was needed. And this needed to be strong and light so that lengths of it could be carried easily. And a committee of the club tested samples from suppliers and prepared a specification. And then the official Alpine Club rope was made by John Buckingham of Bloomsbury. That's so nice. they they they're quite into developing like equipment and stuff as well. The Alpine Club, um, for years it had characteristics of a London-based gentleman's club, including mm. a certain imprecision in the qualification for membership. So, um, to be a member, it said that you have to have a reasonable number of respectable peaks in like your on your CV. Oh, like climbing you have to have peaks, climbed them. not like. I don't know how much they would decide a reasonable number is though. It depends. I don't know. Yeah, it's not not very clear, is it? It seems to be able to give them, like... Pick and choose yeah, a bit of discrimination, if you ask me. A little bit of that. Um, so it was formed in 1857, and until 1974, the club was strictly for men. But in 1975, within months of membership being open to women, a merger with the Ladies Alpine Club was agreed, and the club gained about 150 new members. Okay. So alongside the Alpine Club for... Just the Alpine Club, which was men's, there was a ladies' Alpine Club. Not a fan of that. What, they were split? I'm not a fan that it's it's always like the men's one is just called the Alpine yeah, Club and then the female's one is the ladies' but Alpine Club. But that's because they wouldn't let girls in and then girls want mm. to be similar to the Alpine Club, but they can't call themselves the Alpine Club yeah. because that name's taken. So we have ladies' Alpine Club. A lot of, there's quite, um, I was reading about things and there's mixed um, ideas about if women should climb the Alps and stuff, but I'll get really? on to some stories of women, Interesting. just briefly. The last quarter of the 20th century, the club had evolved into Britain's senior mountaineering club, um, and then it had a clear specification for membership for both men and women, and there was a, an also like an aspiring aspect, so like for people who wanted to work towards full membership, they could go through this like aspiring grade it's called. Oh, right, okay. But it still requires prospective members to be proposed and seconded by existing members. So, you, so it's you who have you to know. Propose, yeah, um, who definitely you know. who you know. The club's history has been documented by George Band in his book Summit, 150 Years of the Alpine Club and its artists in The Artists of the Alpine Club by Peter Malalu. So that's what artists in the Alpine Club. People who draw. Yeah, so people who are members of the Alpine Club who are also... Painters. Artists, yeah. They probably have some really great I artwork bet they are from what quite they've nice, seen. Yeah. Photographers would be good as yeah. well. Um, so, 150 years later, the Alpine Club continues and it's still extremely active in great mountain ranges and literature, art, about things like that. Literature about, like, about the about Alps, the Alps yeah. and, about... and science as well. Mm. Still about studying the Alps, which is quite good. Like it's a long-lasting club. Yeah. So it started in the golden age of Alp. I just don't like the name. I Alpinism. Don't like... What the Alpine? No, club? I just oh, don't the like ladies. the club. No, I don't like the fact that it's a club. Feels a bit. I don't know. Exclusive. I think it is an exclusive club. Well, it's a gentleman's club, and it's mm. a big, high-profile. Like you can't be, you can't be poor and go and I, explore the Alps. I can just Alps. rock up now, could I? And be like, well, you, no, I think you could. I think it's a bit different now. So I think now, if you have an interest in the Alps, you can get yourself there and explore it. But I think in 1857, mm. if somebody didn't have money, they weren't going to go and explore the Alps, you, and therefore they can't be in this. Do you club. think it's like an adult scouts now? Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it'd be nice to have like sessions, and, and then you play how you know when you um. When you do the jumping into nope. the next group, did you not do that? Don't know what that so is. So when we moved up from um, 
brownies oh, right, okay. from rainbows to brownies, brownies. to guides yeah. there's different ways so one is where you go under the, the like under like a I don't know what it is but you the go legs? under it yeah possibly the legs but I don't think it was the legs I can't quite remember but to get to guide you have to jump over a mushroom oh right okay no so I don't know I, I don't remember any of that okay. I wasn't in um the little one cubs no one before cubs beavers beavers I wasn't a beaver I was a cub scout and then I was a scout were you? Yeah. I Scouts did them all. Rainbows, brownies, guides. And then after that, you can be like adventure scout or something. In, Explorer, in girls, you can be brown owl. Brown owl? Yeah. Ooh, don't like the sound of that. <laughs> okay. Sounds like a euphemism for something. <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, right. <laughs> so, um, we're back to the golden oh, age yes. of alpinism. Coming up to my list of... Ten years. Ranges that years. were... It's interesting. Is it, not, is it known as the Golden Decade or not? Or no, I did see references to a decade, but it's just known as the Golden Age. Okay. Um, so it coincided with the creation of the Alpine Club, which I've mentioned, and it was dominated by British alpinists and their Swiss and French guides. This is why you have to have money. You have to be able to afford all the equipment, get yourself over there and pay for someone to take you up. Yeah. So in the early age, uh, in the early years of the Golden Age, scientific pursuits were intermixed with the sport and more often than not, the mountaineers carried a variety of instruments up the mountain with them. Trumpets. For, for scientific observations. No, that's too heavy. You couldn't... <laughs> I always forget which the elbow is. Is the elbow the big one with the big thing? Or is. is the elbow the little one with the thing? I think an elbow's a big one. Didn't... In, who played an oboe? I don't know. Innes. Or you? No, not me. Well, not you. No, I had singing lessons. I get mixed up between elbows and something else. Piccolo. Maybe. That's I'm not one. sure. Tuba, <laughs> tuba. That's what I'm thinking. Big tuba. Yeah. So they carried tubas and trumpets. No, no, they carried oh. like probably like test tubes and temperature gauges test and stuff tubes. like that. What? Scientific observations. What the test tubing? They might pick up some soil. Yeah, fair. They might measure what's in the acidity levels in the snow. You want to get them them squares where you put like a geocaching. Thing, yeah, a bit of geocaching. <laughs> what are you doing over there, Frank? Just a bit of geocaching. <laughs> so uh, at the start, they They're took on a the lot Alps, of. By the way, Frank. <laughs> I bet there's a Frank in there. I don't know. I didn't get that many names because there were loads. So at the start, they took instruments for scientific observation. Pegs Um, and stuff. Yeah, but in the later years of the Golden Age, the non-scientists, pure sportsmen came to dominate. Yeah. Um, The Alpine Club and Alpine Mountaineering. Mountaineering. (laughs) Mountaineering overall. I think think you could learn more. I think that's a bit of a rubbish point there every time okay. i go running on a field i'm not like should i take my instruments i don't need to you know people have done you're it you're not before a scientist me. i know but scientists don't well, if a scientist me. came to you and said are you on running on that field do you mind taking this and picking up that piece of grass I'd for me like, no, you would i wouldn't i'd be like who are you no you would not be that rude <laughs> i just think scientists i don't know there's something exciting about climbing a mountain outside of doing it for science you know what I mean? For your own personal your own achievement. Personal achievement. Just pride, isn't it? One of right. the seven deadly sins. I guess. But I do think it's a shame because it was a scientific. They were still exploring it's like, the It's Alps. like every, anything, like when you go around the world in a boat. Like they do it for science, but then there's people who are like, actually, wouldn't it be good if I just went around the world? Yeah, I guess. In a well, race. You know what I mean? Right. Did we do a podcast on that? No. Ah, never mind. Don't think so. Um, so I'll list off some first ascents in the Golden Age if you want. There's quite a few. I'm not surprised it's called a Golden Age. Uh, 
1854, Konigspitz, Ostspitz, brackets, Monterosa, close brackets, or Strahlhorn. You should Actually, make it bigger. All. You should make it these they words are bigger. All... Yeah, there's a lot of red lines what? underneath. It's coming up telling me it's wrong. Can you just tell me what any of that meant? The places. Oh, the places. Are, so they're the ascents. The they're like the yeah. peaks. Yeah. A couple of peaks. Yeah. So uh, I think Monterosa is the range. Yeah, because you've got a couple of Monterosas there. Mont Blanc. So there you go. Yes. 1855, Mont Blanc du Tackle. West Spitz, Monterosa again. And Wise Mies. 1856. Aguil du Midi. Oh, struggling with that one. I can't. Alla. Alla. Lagging horn. Alla. 1857. Do you see my struggle yeah. with that one? They're all tough. We're not going to lie. Right. So there's some every year, essentially. Yeah. Just, let's chuck out some good ones. Okay. 1858, Dom. Yeah, that's a, that's an easy one. 1861, Castor. 1860, Grand Paradiso. Oh, what a name. Imagine. Oh, 1859, Monte, Mont Leon. 1862, Mont Disgrazia. Also 1862, Dent Blanche. Also known as Dent Blanche. 1853, Tophane. How, what was that one? Oh, yeah. 63, sorry, 1863. Uh, 1864, Barnhorn. Matterhorn was 1865. That's the only one I've heard of, apart from Mont Blanc. I'll come back to a point about Matterhorn. And Grand Cornier. 1865, Oba Gable Horn. So there's some big ones for you. I will tweet this list. Piz Boon. Because there's a lot. That's one. So anyway, you've basically got all of them. If you know the Alps like we do, like the back of your hand. um, Then you're right. Then you're right. And you'll be like, oh yeah, Grand Paradiso, 1860, etc. Dent Blanche, 1862. Just look up a list. uh, It means nothing to the uneducated. I thought it would be a really good pod topic, but the further I got in, I was like, I know nothing about the Alps, (laughs) which is... Why I've struggled. It's a lot of mountains. Um, it, Maybe we need to do more <laughs> scientific research into it. Maybe. When we go up them, we'll take our instruments. My mum's been in. My mum's done Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc. Yeah. I've sold Mont Blanc watches and pens and wallets. Not quite the same. 1865 uh, was the end of the Golden Age and it's considered an outstanding and unforgettable year. Is it? There were 65 first descents across the Alps and seven others in the Mont Blanc Massif. Massive. <laughs> Mont Blanc Massif. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick up on that. What um, is the Mont Blanc Massif? I don't know. That must be like the range. <laughs> uh, however, the year also had its oh, share of tragedy. Oh, well, before we get on that, I'd love to claim to be part of the Mont Blanc Massif. People aren't going to so understand. Good. You need to explain this joke. I don't know what the so, joke is. So, this is spelled... Mont Blanc Massif, as in M-A-S-S-I-F. And Matt is referring to a form of, like, slang in the UK, maybe, for, like, a group of friends, or I don't know what it is. Group of friends? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But it's, like, like a... it's massive, as in huge, but you call it, like, you massive, so it'd be, like... My gang. The Royton Massive for Matt, because Matt lives in Royton. I, I'm not part of any sort of Massive. I no, but you know. want to be in the Mont, Mont Blanc, Blanc Massive, massive now. <laughs> Stop <is>. saying Massive <laughs> like that. So anyway, so the anyway, tragedies. 1865 had its share of tragedy. On Matterhorn on the 14th of July, three English climbers and their guide, Michelle Cross, lost their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brought an end to what was 
considered the glorious and carefree so had campaign. there not been any tragedies? I think there had been tragedies, but I don't think to that extent. Mm. And I think... Ten years. Oof. I know. I, do, I think... Because when I was reading it and I read the word carefree, I was like, actually, it makes sense because they were just a bit like, let's go up these. I did think that because there's so many new ones. And you said in that year, in 1865, there was 65 first ascents. So people just been like, that one there, that peak there, I'm going to climb that. No one's done it. It's unprecedented. Like, yeah, you don't know it, how no, dangerous no, I think it is. It was, they weren't thinking about the danger. Mm. But I think it takes a, a few tragedies and then yeah. all of a sudden, everyone's no. a bit wary. Everyone is wary. Um, but I did do a bit of research, as I said, on women in the golden age. Oh. So Lily, Bis- Lily Bristow and Lucy Walker were among the many Victorian and Edwardian women who also took to the ropes for some alpine climbing. Um, although the women did it in smaller numbers than the men, uh, they reached some of the toughest alpine peaks and passes. So it's still something to be proud of, but they were f- few and far between. Um, Lily Bristow scandalised acquaintances by sharing a tent with men. <gasps> I know, it's Shocking. mad, isn't it, this? Um, Gertrude Bell was praised by her guide and members of the Alpine Club for her courage and was credited with saving men's lives on a failed attempt at the Finster Air. Finster Arhorn. Yeah. Attitudes to women's dress were interesting. So, mm. like, women were credited and they said they saved people's lives, but I think there was, like, scandal about them sharing tents and stuff, and I just think they weren't... Excessive. They weren't wanted on the Alps. Yeah. Um, Walker... There's a lady called whose surname was Walker, and she wore a white frock on all of her climbs. Whereas another climber, Fanny Bullock Workman, wore, wore breeches and thought skirts were ludicrous. To be honest, I think skirts are ludicrous going up the yeah, Alps. Yeah, not great. I I would have just trousers. Yeah. But obviously, I don't I don't know what you are to wear. Well, some I boots. Think, well, I think I think it varied. Some women did wear dresses, and others wore trousers. I'd have been on the trouser gang. Yeah. We um we didn't dress accordingly, as we mentioned earlier. But give you a bit of sizzle earlier for our story about accidental yes. mountaineering. Yeah. Um New Year's Day. We uh we'd agreed with our good friend Innes. Um used to be on the Who podcast. Used to be on our podcast. And uh Nicola, his girlfriend, we uh we agreed we'd spend New Year's Eve with them and then uh, do a, a walk with them the next day. Um, assuming sort of a, a leisurely stroll. Yeah, there's a few routes near us where you can walk around yeah, a lake. A lake, or a reservoir, it's like maybe. On a path. Yeah, a nice like, path. It turned out it was not. It turned out it was not a climb, though. Would you say it's a climb? No, but it was a bit muddy. It was like a. It's like. Well, it's top of a mountain, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? it's nature. It's nature. It's real nature. It was. Uh, where did we go? Mamtor in the Peak District. Went up the Peak District, yeah. And I was not ready for that in terms of My mentally. Coat was a terrible choice. And clothally. Clothally, is that a word? I felt so out of place when we got Everyone there. Everyone looked so Everyone was there in their like walking gear, walking. Some people had poles, they had the, the shoes on. You had the shoes, to be fair. They had waterproofs on. I was just there like I was walking around like Manchester on like yeah, a Friday jeans night. On. And my jeans on. Thank that I brought like boots, but I looked. You wouldn't have though. It was no. only because I said to you. I would have been there in my, in my cream na- New Balance. No, would have been brutal. <laughs> would have been ruined. But these had a similar issue. <laughs> a very similar issue, <laughs> except these worse. knew where they were going and chose they, to wear dresses. But no, but it is it's the so, social expectations though, isn't it? 
It definitely is. And the for the women who did choose to wear dresses, there's a few like things that they need to bear in mind. So like, there's a few skirt-related incidents and mm. disasters. Or is this like uh, in The Incredibles where they say, don't wear capes? Edna says, don't wear capes. No capes. Because... One superhero got pulled into a... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that. So, I will give you an don't example. Don't wear a cape, is what I'm saying. So, the Matterhorn's call Felicity um, was named after Felicity Carroll, who attempted to reach the summit in 1867 um, with her father, but she was stopped because a skirt ballooned in the wind and it was too dangerous to go on. How which is big is quite a concern. Though? I'm not sure, but... That, that's why you can't you can't wear a skirt up there no. because it just too windy. It gets that's, all the that's air. The first problem. You must know that. Yeah. So she failed to reach the summit. I think. Um, so a common compromise for women was to wear a skirt or dress as one left the hotel as one yeah. left the hotel, and um, then they take it off at the base of the mountain and then go up in trousers. I love it. Yeah. That's um, good. But. This happened to Mrs. Audrey LeBlond. So she set off um, to go up Rothorn with a guide and porter. Uh, She came down the other side and realised that she'd left her skirt at the top. Um, So she had no choice but to climb up again and return to the starting point. How do you lose your skirt at the top? I don't know, but also I would just feel like I do not care. Yeah, because you've got trousers on. Yeah, it's not like she's naked. It's not like she's in the nude. She, she just she was carrying a skirt and she left it at the top. Unless it was a really expensive skirt, you know. I don't think I would go back for it. Mm. But yeah, that's what happened. So I think women did try. Yeah. They had a bit of a tough time. The Ladies Alpine Club was formed, but it wasn't recognised to the same extent that men's. But now was. it's together. Yeah, but I did. I didn't put it in my report, but I did read about some who were like um, husband and wife duo climbers, which is quite cute. Um, so that is my report on the golden age of alpinism, that bit. Okay. Um, just a point is that I did read an article that said, an interesting fact is that although it supposedly ends with Alfred Wills, oh no, it supposedly starts with Alfred Wills starting yeah. by climbing Wetterhorn in 1854, yeah. um, it actually first been climbed in 1844. And he was the fourth person to do it. Mm. So he wasn't the first. But mountaineering became popular and fashionable once he I wonder why that is. Was it. he a well-known character already? I don't know. I didn't find anything else. Oh, What's it... quite tough is that people... When you when I was doing my research, it would just be a long list of names of people yeah. who were like significant. And none of them mean that much to me because I'm not really a mountain climber. Not a big mountain. Um, yeah. Mm. So yeah, he wasn't actually the first. So the golden age of alpinism wasn't actually started with a first. That happens quite a lot though, isn't it? It happened with um, flight. We talk about like the Wright brothers and stuff. But as, uh, as we mentioned in previous topics, um, the Glider King and other people like that sort of set off this flight golden age. Same with, um, yeah. what else we got? Other stuff. I had another one in my head. I don't know, you're looking at Columbus, maybe? People discovering... Um, discovering, discovering in... Um, you know, like America and stuff, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, it happens a lot, I think. The original people are never remembered as much as the famous ones. Monopoly. Monopoly, yeah. Yeah, she was forgotten. Which is a shame. She was nice. So, um, following the golden age of mountaineering 
there is the silver uh, of alpinism sorry um there is a silver age of alpinism and this is the name given in great britain to the era that mountaineering began so i know that some people so in before. great britain were interested no this is after all right but some people were interested in mountaineering but yeah. it wasn't and it became a thing during golden age of alpinism but i think after that it was really really a thing it became a popular activity yeah. Yeah, I think so. Amongst the people. So it started with Edward Edward Wimper's ascent of Matterhorn in eighteen sixty five and ended with W. W. Graham's ascent of the Dent du Gent in eighteen eighty two. You can never really it's nice to have a starting end point for everything, I think, but you can never really Well yeah, because this could all be lumped together it's into just the golden yeah, age. It's all subjective. Yeah. I always get subjective and objective mixed up. So, it's one of them. Yeah, so the Golden Age is characterised by the first descents of many of the Alps mountains. And, people doing them and the Silver Age may be seen as consistent of the first descents of the peaks that were left behind um, and largely unknown to the wider public in Great Britain. So the Golden Age of Alpinism was so big because a lot of the peaks were known oh, and right, they went okay. up them. And then this one was to do with the ones that were less known and that were left behind they, after the golden it's age. Splitting up that, isn't it? Splitting up saying these ones weren't left weren't well known. Yeah. I don't know, it's quite a clean cut, which I don't think in reality it would have been between the two ages. No, it depends who you ask. Yeah. Um so the ambitious Alpinists in the Silver Age turned their attention to wider than just the Alps in Europe. They looked at the Andes, the Rockies and the Himalayas as well and ascending them. So it's a bit of a broader And this went up Kilimanjaro. Is that in the Himalayas? Yeah. I'm not or sure, really. I'm not great with... Uh... The Rockies is America, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm not great at all with mountains. So. I'm not that good at mountains. You know what I like, though? Volcanoes. What? Good geography topic. Vesuvius. Edna. Yellowstone. Well, carry on. <laughs> just right. naming some for you. So I just have... A oh, list so the again. Silver Age begins 1865, yeah. Yeah, so the Silver Age is 1865 to 1882. So I can also post this list, but I feel like there's more. I know it's a bit of a longer time, but it feels like there's a bit more. Yeah. There's just a load of them. There's just a load of... Yeah. And I did try names. and do some research on things that, like, how they would climb them and things they would take with them, but I just couldn't really find anything. Yeah. It's really, it gets a bit bogged down in the Alpine Club, so I can find about the history of the Alpine Club, but I can't find about the actual how they did it. How they climbed. You just take rope, don't you? But it's quite interesting that, like you said, they made specific rope to do it because the first people up there don't know if that rope will last them. Don't know if they. Yeah, it's a bit of a risk. How, isn't how it? much you're going to need, or like. If it'll hold everything they need it to hold at that time. Yeah, it's like guessing on like maps and stuff, but yeah. maps are skew with anyway. You yeah. can, I don't think you can trust maps. No. They're, they're not to scale. Back then it wasn't fully understood. Well, we still might not fully understand no. it. It's a tough one. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, that was my report. And I've just got a sentence that says, Today the Alps are probably the most thoroughly studied See? mountains on Earth. Don't need to uh, study them anymore. Just climb them. Does this does this interest you climbing a mountain? Um, I think I want to do one just to prove I can do it rather than the scientific yeah observation oh, wow. aspect. Mm. <laughs> no, no, but I think it. I don't know. I don't know. I think I would be interested, but I don't know which one I would do because I've seen like 
trips on offer and stuff where you, like um where Innis and Nicola went to up Kilimanjaro. Mm. I had a friend it was on offer at my uni to do the same trip because my friend went and met them. Right. Um but I just I didn't really fancy doing it. Also I didn't fancy fundraising because I'd already done a lot of fundraising. Uh-huh. Um Yeah. What I, about you? I don't like climbing in terms of like rock climbing. Oh, I'm terrible at rock climbing. So, as long as there's no rock climbing involved, if it's just walking, a bit uphill. Um, yeah. But on the way down, it's down. Thank you. Um, I really am terrified, but love the idea, and I never do it, of... Have you seen when people climb up mountains, and then they... If they rock climbing, they put the tent, so it's just hanging off the edge of the rock. Yeah. The rock face. I love that. I'd never get in one, don't you? You love wrong. it. Why do you when love it? When I just it? see it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that someone thought this was a good idea. Yeah. And then it, it's just a thing now that... It's like, not for me, I don't think. I get a bit... Like, I'm fine with heights, but I get shaky, and I can't control my How shaking. could you sleep in that tent, knowing that you're just hanging? I definitely need some earplugs. Every time you moved as well, your whole thing would rock. I know. <laughs> and if you just... You'd be like, it's like lying, it's like standing on like a glass bottom thing, but worse because this time you might just die. Yeah. Something falls. Also, I'm ter- I'm terribly clumsy, so I think I'd lose everything. Like, I'd, I wouldn't be able to keep it all there. Like, I'm quite neat, but I'm clumsy. Knowing me, I'd probably throw things out the tent by mm. accident. you just step out of the tent for a week. <laughs> yeah. You're gone. I actually probably would forget. Scared, hey, can you do that as a woman then? What Can't do you way up there. With you, it's, with boys, it's easier, I think. You just have to make sure nothing's below. But it's also if you go out in the night as well in in certain in mountains, but in like the Arctic and stuff, um, it's freezing, isn't it? Can't get it out because it's too cold. <laughs> yeah, but it's probably freezing there because mountains are usually in like quite um, yeah mountainous areas. Mountainous areas. <laughs> it's cold at the top of there, exactly. even in the day. So yeah, you you don't want to get it out. Wee do you? pants wee every a, time. Wee in a bottle inside. I always remember a really good show was. Um, James Cracknell, Ben Fogel, and I think they got a guy called Ed to go along with them. The people like applied to go along with them, and I'm not sure it was a couple of shows, but it was definitely one where they did the race. The um, like to the top. Is it the bot? Is it the top? Is it at the uh, or is it in the north? Oh, is it in the Antarctica? I think it might be in Antarctica. Race to the South Pole. Maybe yeah. Um, like and they redid. What's he called? The guy. We did a pod report. Yeah. He came up in our pod And the report. Norwegian guy beat them there. Yeah. And that happened in the, in their race as well. But it looked so cold. But it's a really good show. But I can't remember what it's called. I'm not very good with the cold. But I'm you want to go to Antarctica cold. as well, don't you? I know you? I really do. I want to go kayaking with killer whales. If we won a lottery, instead of telling everyone, like, um, the most recent lottery <laughs> winners had them, I would, uh, we'd go to Antarctica. Oh, thanks. You can pay. Um, but you've just won the lottery. I know, but yeah, you can. I'll pay, and you can pay me back. <laughs> um, Rude. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna have a new podcast, as we mentioned previously. It's called On the Move. We finally got our podcast logo sorted after much yes, debating, Lana not knowing what a left and right is. So we got a, a bit of confusion for a while. Yeah, that did happen. <laughs> um, and we decided on our logo. So. We're getting a little bit of a jingle together, and we will um, be up and running hopefully soon. In the meantime, keep listening to Idiot's Talk History. We've got another five episodes to go, I think, now, before before we head off on our world tour. Uh, yeah. 
worldwide trip. So you've got five more incredible episodes. <laughs> We'll right. Say. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Idiot History Pod. Um, on Instagram and Facebook, it's at Idiots Talk History. And if you want to send us an email, it's at oh, it's Idiot History Pod at Gmail dot com. Forgot. Sorry, I got a bit eager with my app there. I um, I hadn't checked the email for a while. We got one from a, a guy who I think runs. Did I tell you? Runs like a yes. uh, theatre company, and he wanted to know about Monopoly. Yes. Not got back to him yet. It's on your to-do list, It's on my to-do list, yeah. Yeah, we apologise for that. We have just been very busy planning our trip. And that's it, so... Thanks for listening, and... Yeah, thank you. um, Hopefully you learnt something new about mountains. The Alpine Club, never heard of it. Now I know. So, we will speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.